0: This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode 109, entitled, Son of Man Christology in the Gospel of John, Part 2. As always, the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God And about the humanity of Jesus. And we will certainly be talking about the humanity of Jesus in today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. I want to encourage you to rate and leave a comment on the Biblical Unitarian Podcast on iTunes to help us get the podcast to appear more frequently. On Apple's search algorithm. This will help other people come to know about the existence of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. And of course, if you would like to share the podcast with your friends and your family, that would help get the word out as well. And thank you so much for those who have already helped in sharing this podcast with others. In this episode, we will continue our exploration into the fourth gospel in order to better understand what it means when it portrays Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. Not too many people pay attention to this title in the fourth gospel, but it appears to be a major emphasis for the Christology in the Johannine narrative. In our previous episode, we observed that the Son of Man was an authentic human being who acted as the authorized revealer of the unseen God to the world. The Gospel of John thus depicts Jesus performing many heightened and miraculous deeds, but he does these in the capacity of the Son of Man that is, as a human being. In today's episode, we will look at the next three Son of Man sayings in the Gospel of John. First, we will look at how the Son of Man is to be the object of the believer's faith. Second, we will explore how the Son of Man is able to do things that are typically reserved for God alone. Lastly, we will consider how it is that the human Jesus bears the Father's authoritative seal. Will these considerations result in a Christological depiction of Yahweh in human form or of a genuine human being distinct from the true God? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is entitled, The Son of Man Whose Death Brings About Eternal Life. I'm going to read a passage out of John chapter 3, verses 14-15. through 15. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that... Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That's John chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. This passage immediately follows the verse we studied last week, where the Son of Man is depicted as the authorized revealer of heavenly things. It is interesting to perceive what sort of additional information we can get about what Son of Man means for the fourth gospel based upon this verse. The first thing to note about our present passage is the verb used to describe the Son of Man. The verb ipsoo, which is translated as lifted up, has two meanings that are being combined at this very point. The Greek verb ipso often means to lift up, which is a casual way of describing the act of picking up a person or an object. The verb also is used frequently in the passive to indicate the act of exaltation, where someone is exalted by God. You can see this in the New Testament, where believers will be exalted in the future. Now, in this passage, a typological connection is being made between, on one hand, Moses lifting up a serpent upon a stick, and on the other hand, the Son of Man who is lifted up upon the cross. This suggests that the act of lifting up The Son of Man is referring to when he is lifted up onto the cross on Good Friday. It appears that the verb is doing double duty here by suggesting that the act of lifting up the Son of Man, that is the human being, onto the cross is the point of exaltation for him, which is interesting if we consider that the crucifixion was probably the most humiliating thing that could happen to someone in the 1st century Greco-Roman world. For the fourth gospel, Jesus' humiliation is actually a moment of exaltation. When Jesus is lifted up onto the cross, he is being exalted. This does not take away from the post-resurrection exaltation to heaven that did happen to Jesus as a human being, but it's interesting to see how the fourth gospel is framing the significance of the death of Jesus. What is important for us to take away from this text is the insistence that the one who is being exalted is a human being, the Son of Man. It is the death of the human Son of Man that is portrayed in terms of exaltation. Now the passage continues by inviting readers to believe in him. That is, to believe in this human being. To believe in the Son of Man. So not only is the death and exaltation of a human being stressed in our passage. The intended audience is summoned to place their faith and trust into this human being. For the fourth gospel, the humanity of Jesus is to be the object of a believer's faith. And this certainly suggests a high human Christology. I'll again cite the point from our passage where it talks about the Son of Man lifted up and that whoever believes in Him, that is, whoever believes in the Son of Man, will have eternal life. The Son of Man, as a human being, is to be the object of a believer's faith. Furthermore, we can surely note for the fourth gospel that a human being is sufficient enough to die for the sins of others. The Son of Man is lifted up on the cross in exaltation, and in the death of this man on that cross, eternal life is made possible. This is not a description of God dying or some immortal deity dying on the cross. Rather, the passage is quite clear that the human one, the Son of Man, is the one who dies to bring about the life of the age to come. For the fourth gospel, a human being is at the very center of the theology of atonement. This speaks highly of Jesus in his role as the Son of Man, an authentically human person. Our second point today is entitled, The Father Shares the Prerogative of Life and Judgment with the Son of Man. We'll read a passage out of John chapter 5, starting in verse 26. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. That's John chapter 5, verses 26 through 27. Now I'll confess, this is one of my favorite passages in the Gospel of John. It screams high human Christology because God is clearly and unambiguously sharing his privileges with someone who is a human being. And this human being is Jesus, the Son of Man. The two prerogatives that God shares with the human Jesus are the ability to impart resurrection life and the role to execute judgment as a judge. Let's look at both of these crucial points. The Father gave life to the Son of Man. So now, the Son can give life to others via resurrection. Now, the Father, as the Creator, obviously, has the ability to give life and to raise the dead. In this passage, the Father shares this ability with Jesus. Now, it needs to be emphasized that Jesus' ability to raise the dead is derived from the Father. It is not an innate attribute of the Son. In other words, Jesus is only able to offer life to others because God has shared his unique prerogative with the Son who is described in this passage specifically as the Son of Man, a human being. This makes Jesus out to be a life-giving human being. That is a very exalted thing to say about a man, but that's what the fourth gospel is saying. The human Son of Man is the recipient of God's unique prerogative, to judge. Of course, judgment and giving life are closely related. In order to give eternal life to somebody, you have to judge them as someone worthy of that life. And of course, if someone is dead, in order to judge them, you have to raise them back to life. It is interesting that the passage portrays Jesus' ability to execute judgment as an authority that has been given to him from the Father. The noun authority the Greek noun exousia is used here to describe what Jesus as a human being has received from the Father. This speaks of the authorization of the human son of man from the Father. So in short God has given the authority to give life and execute judgment to a man, to a human being, specifically here, to the Son of Man. Jesus does not exercise these divine prerogatives because he is himself divine. Rather, he executes them as a member of the human race, as a man authorized by God. Our third point today is the son of man who bears the father's authoritative seal. I'll read a passage out of John chapter 6 verse 27. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you, for on him the father God has set his seal. That's John chapter 6, verse 27. This again is another powerful passage that is often neglected in Christological studies of the fourth gospel. In this passage about the Son of Man, we again see the emphasis on a human being giving eternal life to others. That is, a human being who gives eternal life to other human beings. Of course, we just recently learned that the human Jesus is only able to have life in himself because it was given to him from the Father. But there should be no confusion here. The fourth gospel is quite clear that Jesus, precisely as a human being, will give the life of the age to come to other persons. This passage also highlights the authority that the Son of Man possesses in connection to give eternal life to others. Jesus states that the Father, who is God, has placed his authoritative seal upon the Son of Man, This human being bears the seal of God, God who is described in the Greek as the Father. And it is because the Son of Man possesses the authoritative seal of the Father that he is able to share eternal life with others. In other words, Jesus is admitting that he is only able to perform this crucial divine function as a human being because he is authorized to do so. Now we can speculate on when Jesus came into possession of this authoritative seal, since the fourth gospel is not explicit on the timing. My best guess, for whatever it is worth, would be that it was at the moment when Jesus received the Spirit at Jesus' baptism. Since the verb used here to refer to the act of sealing is frequently used in the New Testament of other human beings when they receive the Spirit of God. Now, whatever the truth of the matter, the point is clear that Jesus personally confesses that he operates as an empowered human being as the son of man and within this authorization he functions in a way that is typically reserved for God alone. So, in conclusion, we have observed that the Gospel of John continues to portray Jesus Christ with the important and often neglected title son of man. This title repeatedly indicates a fully-fledged human being who is in a special relationship with the true God, with the Father. We first noted that the Son of Man is to be the object of a believer's faith and trust. The fourth gospel does not shy away from summoning its readers to place their faith in a man into a human being in order to receive eternal life. In fact, this human being, the Son of Man, is depicted as the one who is lifted up on the cross in a typological fashion to the serpent Moses lifted up onto a wooden stick, both of which brought about deliverance, and rescue of the people of God. Second, we observe that God has shared his unique privileges and prerogatives with the Son of Man, specifically the ability to give resurrection life and the authority to execute judgment. Jesus bears these derived roles as a human being, not as a divine figure or as the second member of the Trinity. In fact, Jesus himself stresses that it is because he is the authorized Son of Man that he is able to exercise these divine prerogatives. Lastly, we saw that the Father, God, has bestowed his authoritative seal upon the human Jesus thus allowing him to share with others eternal life. In fact, there was a direct connection in the text between Jesus' authorized humanity and his ability to give the life of the age to come to believers. Since the fourth gospel portrays Jesus Christ as the Son of Man who dies on the cross who is the object of a believer's faith who bears the Father's authority to confer eternal life to others and to execute the Father's judgment we can safely conclude that the Gospel of John exhibits a high human Christology rather than a Trinitarian or Angelic Christology join us next week as we continue our multi-part study of the fourth gospel in regard to its portrayal of Jesus as the Son of Man, as a human being. Please consider supporting the Biblical Unitarian podcast as it aims to promote the sound truths about the oneness and unity of God and about Jesus, the human being. You may check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for listening to us at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. My name is Dustin Smith, and until next time, you folks, please take care.